It's Tuesday, September 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker and Bill Mann. Happy Tuesday. It's a room full of bills. Uh, well, two-thirds. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for How having us. Uh, I'm good. If you're here, who's running Fool Funds? They're okay. Yeah, they're <laughs> Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe's downstairs. Uncle Joe Mager visiting yeah. and uh, and hanging out on the first floor with you guys. We're going to get Joe in the studio later this week. So, and grow he's up. grouchy, so it's going to be perfect. How many how many promotions are you giving that? Uh, well, I mean, I, by the time he comes on, here's the thing: I the the enthusiasm I've seen on Twitter and, and on Facebook from longtime listeners explosive that, that Uncle Joe Mager is is going to be back is is pretty. Is pretty great. Yeah, but it's just that one guy. I'm sure there are plenty of new, new listeners who are like, "Who in the hell is this guy?" <laughs> and then, and then after Thursday's episode, like, they're going to be like, "How can he live up to this?" Yeah, after yeah. Thursday's episode, they're going to be like, I, "I don't know why they're making such a big deal about this schmo." <laughs> um, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Russia is cracking down on corruption, so you know we're going to talk about that. Uh, let's start with with something that we almost never talk about on Market Foolery, and that is the big macro. Um, news out this morning from the U.S. Census Bureau: Middle-class incomes had their fastest growth on record last year. Uh, 2015 income rose by 5.2 percent. This is really the first significant significant boost that we've seen since the end of the Great Recession, and um, and about time. Yeah, if you would believe the if 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 you would believe the news reports over like the last couple of years, the middle class is now like eight people though, right? Yeah, I, it's great news. It, it 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 is great news, and it is it is why the Fed has had interest rates at so low for so long. This is the you know wage inflation is one of the things that they've been trying to trigger. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I get, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear that that a segment of the population that has felt so much pressure for for such a long period of time is 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 actually seeing some growth. Still, a long way away from 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 level setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So this doesn't do anything to alter the way that you invest. There's because I'm I can already see some people. You know, banging out their stories that are going to appear online in the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours, and it's going to be like, you know, here are five stocks to buy um, that you know because the middle-class income has grown the way yeah, it has. It's the same thing. I yeah, no, not it doesn't <laughs> doesn't change how we do. I, it's one data point, right? I mean, there are uh, there are always new data points coming out. This is a good data point if. Uh, you know, it kind of holds up. It does seem like a large enough increase that I, I would like a, a second crack. You know, sometimes these things are revised a couple of times. Uh, not to say that it directionally isn't accurate, but the magnitude of it is rather uh, pleasing. Um, if you're an American in, in, in or near the middle class, it's it's indicates things are better than you may have thought they were. It's sometimes hard <laughs> to right. separate your own situation out from you know the uh, the aggregate. But I think that uh, it's one data point. There are other data points of some softening in spending uh, most recently, and this, of course, already although it's come out today, is kind of older data going through 2015. So you know already things have changed since this data was collected. So basically what you're saying is if you felt a little bit depressed in 2015 about this you were wrong. You were you were wrong. You were totally making more than you thought you were yeah. if you were all <laughs> of the average people out there somehow at the same time. 
Shares of Wells Fargo falling 3% this morning after the bank announced it will eliminate product sales goals for retail bankers. This is, of course, in the wake of last week's news, where Wells Fargo was fined $185 million and over the last five years uh, had fired more than 5,000 people, all because they were just doing a little old thing like creating fake accounts. Who amongst us can't use an extra fake credit card or two? Uh, Honestly. Also, the uh, the United States Senate Banking Committee would like a word with uh, Wells Fargo CEO <laughs> John Stump. So that's I have be a question fun. and maybe a follow up question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so here's I had thrown this out when we were t- chatting earlier this morning, um, and I'm I'm hoping this news comes out. I I have to believe Warren Buffett is going to be if he has not already. Is going to be doing one of the following things because this is we always talk. Oh, Wells Fargo, that's Buffett's favorite bank, and he loves how they do business, and they're different from Goldman Sachs. Loves their reputation. I have to believe that he is either going to um, pick up the phone and call John Stump and read him the Riot Act because reputation is very important to Warren Buffett, um, or he is going to sell some small stake of his Wells Fargo stock just as a warning shot across the bow, even though your colleague Brian Hinman said, eh, he really doesn't like to pay taxes. I get that. Yeah. Um, or, or three, he's going to do both. If you had to bet on what Buffett is going to do, where are you betting? Well, I think it starts... Do you think it starts out with the phone call being, I'm not angry, I'm just... <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> it could you know, be. you don't want to hear that. Yeah. From because he's. You never like want to hear that from your parents. Yeah. And, right. and in this Buffett's case, like your your dad, kind of, if you're in this role. Uh, I I don't know what's in his head. I think it's a situation where he has said, "Look, here at Berkshire Hathaway, we know out of our hundreds of thousands of total employees, there's always somebody doing something." wrong somewhere we take actions to minimize uh, minimize that and and clear it up when it happens but this was not one or two people I was just this gonna, was, right. was 5000 <laughs> people was, plus and the the thing is it's going to be it, it's not going to just be Wells Fargo of yeah. course this is not behavior look i can tell you from firsthand experience this behavior was going on in other banks and not because i worked at them i i was a you know Sort of unwitting victim of this to a to a small degree myself, and that that's, you know, somebody I, I went in to do a responsible thing, which was to put some money in one of my children's accounts, education accounts, and the guy there couldn't have been more focused on getting me to take a home equity line of credit. That was the <laughs> only thing that he wanted, and he started the paper. I said, "Stop that! Don't do that." He said, oh, "I'm just going to run through see if you qualify." Like as if this was in 2005 or something. Every single person in the United States, That's living right. or dead, yeah. qualified back then. <laughs> you had to roll your window up to keep from getting a HELOC as you drove by your local bank. Exactly. I, I, I mean, Wells Fargo probably opened five or six of them for me, you know, without my knowing. Anyway, uh, you know, a, a week later or something, I get a, a rejection letter because he had just started it, stopped it, and got whatever quota he needed and whatever little bonus he needed yeah. for just. Uh, initiating the the process. Yeah, the thing that you don't hear right now, and I think it's definite. This was not Wells Fargo, by the way, just to clear that up. It was somebody else, but somebody else who was later acquired by Wells Fargo, by the way. (laughs) The thing that you do not hear right now, and it is deafening, is any other 
bank or any other bank CEO saying, well, that's not how we do things in our shop. They're all selling. So, and for it to have been 5,000 people who have been fired, which means probably you've got 3x that who were engaged in some form of the same behavior at a lower level. It was systemic and it came from the top and it was to me, with the exception of the person who was uh, who, who was let go with one hundred and twenty five million dollar severance package. There is no winners here. I mean, Wells Fargo generated almost no revenue from it. Uh, you know, they didn't get what they wanted out of their incentive program. I mean, it really comes down to a really badly designed incentive program at, at Wells Fargo. And I am absolutely certain that there are lots of other banks that have similarly poorly designed uh, incentive programs for you know where the same thing's going to happen. So let's just wrap up on Wells Fargo uh, with the stock itself, because if part of the bull case for Wells Fargo, um, ha- you know, at least some small percentage of it was, well, they do a great job of cross-selling, um, and seemingly this incentive plan, however flawed it was, was working for them. A lot of people getting paid, a lot of people getting bonuses. Uh, as you said, that uh, that one uh, woman who got a $125 million parachute. Yeah. Um, I hope they have clawbacks, by the way, because she was apparently not as good at her job as they thought. Yeah, yeah. that that is. I would not start spending that money if I were Carrie uh, Tolstead. Uh, so if 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 that's now gone. Doesn't that, in some small way, diminish the bull case for Wells Fargo? I, you know, I don't know. So Lee Burbage here at at, at our company, who's the chief cultural officer, um, made a point to me where he said, "Look, incentive programs that are badly designed will always bring about you know bad behavior, behavior that you don't expect." He said, "The really important thing with incentive programs is that they are constantly being redesigned. If you have a if you have an incentive program that's a year plus old." Probably it's being gamed. Maybe not in a you know maybe not in a really really egregious way, but it's probably being gamed. So you should continue changing. So I think probably operationally, Wells Fargo will be fine because you you have a program that's long in the tooth anyway. And if you are and if it's a good corporate practice for you, easy for me to say, corporate practice for you to say, um, you're changing anyway. I think this is, and it depends if we are correct in just assuming that this kind of behavior will show up in other banks, or at least similarly large dominant banks in the U.S. If we're wrong about that, then this will be a problem. I think, in a way that, say, Volkswagen, you know, that that their having gamed the emissions test was specific to Volkswagen and you lose customers and then you spend money to try to get customers back but there's a real effect on the business if this is you know what everybody else was doing this then probably what it'll amount to is everybody vents a little bit about how awful Wall Street and uh, those who are kind of like Wall Street which is Wells Fargo are and then they go back to to their lives. Tell you what, though, the regulators are about to get a check for 185 million dollars, and if everybody else was doing anything like this, that's a pretty good business for them to be in to be to be rooting out this kind of behavior at other big banks. What I would be in right now uh, is the business of being a lawyer for banks. <laughs> I think, you know, you think the middle middle class is 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 beginning to pick up. I mean, this is going to be good Bank work lawyers. for a lot of people. I for think. a long billable time. hours. Oh, you know, a perfect client, a lot of trouble, and a lot of money to pay their bills. Yeah. 
Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com from Benjamin Miller writes, when I see the day's trading on any particular company, why does the trading volume pick up substantially the very last hour of a trading day? I see this with all kinds of stocks. Are the hedge funds trying to manipulate price? What's the deal? Uh, good question. Trading volume is always one of those things that I, uh, it's, as you were saying earlier, Bill, uh, you know, it's one data point. I'm always interested when I see uh, trading volume spike in any particular you know not necessarily at the end of the day although that I do find that interesting but anytime i see a company's average volume is x and on a particular day it's 10x i i begin to get curious about what's going on there but to yeah. his question when you see it late in the day what does that say to you what a unique we can answer this actually uh, what it says is it's a normal day yeah well yeah but also a lot of times, and we have done this as, as as well. When you have a direct trade, when so we have brokers and we do trades sometimes of size, and we'll do it direct with the broker. Right? They've got someone on the other side. They don't have to go through the exchange. They just swap, and sometime before the end of the day, they have to put that trade in. So the volume, a lot of the volume that you see in these black pools, dark pools. Um, yeah, you just don't see till the end of the day. It may have happened way earlier in the day. There's nothing really nefarious about it. You know, there are a lot of high frequency traders out there, and they follow volume. So a lot of that volume feeds upon itself. So I would, I would, I would not say that there is no nefarious behavior out there, but a lot of it is simply explained by the mechanics of how the market works, particularly when you're when when you are crossing l large blocks within you know within one broker. Yeah, if we if we're putting in a trade uh, under a particular type of uh, trade called a volume weighted uh, average pricing. Uh, what we're going to do is say we want ten thousand shares of, of Exxon for some reason. Uh, it'll it'll execute over the course of the day, making little buys throughout the day. And what the algorithm shows is going to be the average uh, volume at different points during the day, which means it, it, it anticipates and makes it sort of rea real by anticipating. That a lot of that volume on a percentage basis is going to come in the last half hour of the market. Yeah, and that happens every single day. And one of the reasons is traders, uh, people who trade, day traders, literally day traders, buy a stock in the morning, get out of it by the end of the day. Uh, the last time to get out of it is four o'clock. So you, if that's who you are, and that's because of algorithms and and you know also yeah. just the number of people who do this, a large chunk of of um, shares are traded not by owners but by traders, and so everything's got to be closed by the end of the day for for those people who are participating yeah. in the market. Yeah, it's it's more mechanics than anything nefarious. Part of me is still stunned that day traders still exist. That there yeah. are, that there are still people, individuals in this world, who say, "Oh, I'm." I, I got this. Well, it may it may not even be individuals. It may be of hedge funds, which are looking for fractions of a cent and have the ability to get in and out of a stock without the same sort of commissions that others have, uh, and that they are not taking the risk of owning a stock overnight. That being calculated in their business model as a risk. Who knows what might happen to it overnight between four o one p.m. and yeah, when you 9:30 a.m. Yeah, exactly. When you are trying to gain 
0.03 cents per share on a stock, the last thing you want is for it to be on your books overnight when, you know, the stock can move millions of times that amount. Millions? Thousands. Let's go know. thousands. Once Flash Boys comes out, we'll all understand, we'll all understand this better. Right. Who's in that one? I don't know. Has is that it, been cast? Is I, I don't know if it has been cast. This is Hasn't Michael it? Lewis's Michael last Lewis's, book. Michael uh, Lewis's, yeah, most recent book. Um, Presumably Brad Pitt. Isn't he showing up in all the Michael Lewis books these days? Well, he was in The Big Short. Yeah. And did a damn fine job. That I was, didn't recognize him. Yeah, that was scruffy Brad Pitt. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. That's probably, you know what, Not I, I wouldn't know what sort of burden um, Brad Pitt has in terms of his relative handsomeness, but there's, I'm sure he enjoyed schlubbing it up a little bit. Just sort of like, oh, I don't have to watch what I eat, I don't have to exercise, I can grow a beard for this role? Great. Great. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, Russia is getting serious about cracking down on corruption. And the way we know that is because uh, Dmitry Zakarchenko, who is the acting head of an anti-graft agency at the Russian Interior Ministry, was arrested over the weekend for receiving, and I'm quoting here, especially large bribes after police found more than $120 million in his apartment. I, I, I love that so much. <laughs> Look. So again, it's the head of the anti-graft <laughs> agency and just happened to be found. And he was a, a little too greedy. Is right. why he went Everybody down. understood that yeah. this job paid by taking some amount of money. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but, the, but the size was that, just unacceptable. Yeah, that's 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 always the thing that right. I you know, obviously on, on a much smaller monetary level, but every once in a while you'll see that at the state government level where like someone you know, some state senator gets busted you know, and I that's that's usually what yeah. goes through my cynical brain, which is why were you greedy? Right. You could have just skimmed a little bit here and there, and instead you got greedy, and that's why you got busted. All right, but they have an asset that they can use here. I mean, this is the guy who knows now, as if I guess anybody else in in Russia doesn't know where the bodies are buried. Oh right? yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's he's got the evidence. If you want to work with him on actually cra cracking down, you can, and it's reminiscent of the, you know, the start of our own. Um, SEC, which I was about to say, please don't say business. <laughs> I was like, well, where are you going with this? No, well, you know, uh, <laughs> this is how we did it. <laughs> Wait, Kennedy, did Joseph Kennedy, first commissioner of the SEC, uh, because he knew where the bodies were buried. They're, they're like, let's get the guy who knows what's been going on. Yeah, that's and not, that that's is not going to happen here <laughs> in Russia. Not, no. No, no, I don't think it will. But you know, no. if they ever felt like it, they they could do so. Why, other than mere optics, and maybe that's the answer, just mere optics. Why does Russia have an anti-graft agency? Is it just to make some of their citizens feel better? Because it they have to. I mean, it's it's one of the things that they need to be they need to be seen like they're doing something about to be a member of G twenty, for example. They they have to have something. If it's effective, it's not effective. Which apparently, you know, you could redefine effectiveness. That's you know, that's different. Not every country. Every country is going to have graft happen that they don't catch. But you have to have an an anti-graft guy. You know what it is? It's um, it goes back to the classic film Casablanca. It's Captain Renault. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Renault is on the take. 
But, you know, he's got to keep up appearances, yeah. and every once in a while, he's got to bust someone. That's right. By the way, that movie, if you haven't seen that in a long time. Still holds up. Totally holds up. Have you yeah. made your kids watch it? Uh, not yet. That's coming. I think that's coming pretty soon, though, because that is the other thing about Casablanca. It's 90 minutes. That is a tight movie. Like, there are some yeah. great old movies. Yeah, that's the great Gatsby of movies. That are long. Yeah. Th- that's not one of them. Yeah. Also, oh. Smokey and the Bandit. Sp- <laughs> tight. Tight. Is it no. a tight movie? <laughs> wow. That's the first time. No this. wasted you know, scenes in that one. No. You know, you know that Smokey and the Bandit was Alfred Hitchcock's favorite movie. I did not know that. Yeah, his daughter said that that was his favorite. Movie. We're going to take the, his daughter at, at her word. There, we didn't. We, this was not. She's like, a member of the Anti Graft Coalition of the Russian <laughs> government, so I think maybe no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we can we just close with uh, the business of renting large animals? Can we just because that came up earlier? Did you today. get some reader questions about that? We or? haven't, but here's here's what here's what would be great. Uh, so we were talking earlier this morning. Um, I always refer to your listeners as readers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to just ignore. So it. The reason I do that is because I believe they all are capable of reading. Right, right. But they're not reading this podcast. They're listening as they, you know, they're they're on their commute. They're I, doing I, their I, chores I, at home. They're walking a I dog. I think you're selling them short, Chris. I'm with I'm with Bill on this one. You know what? I don't want. They're all readers. Is the point? Uh, they're all readers. I don't want them reading while they're driving. Is is my point? Safety first, kids. Yeah, that's the point. Sure. So we were talking this morning. I, I think weddings came up, and and Bill, man, you mentioned uh, a friend of yours um, rented an elephant for the wedding. Yeah, in South Florida, rode in on an elephant. And this was a traditional Indian wedding. A traditional Indian wedding, and so this was a this was this was a big part of it. Uh, presumably easier to acquire an elephant in India for such things than in you know, for example, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but yeah, there are there are places where you can rent large animals for for such things. And we we've seen businesses in the entertainment industry, HollywoodAnimals.com. All sort. Hey, you're making a commercial. You need um, a herd of buffalo. We, you know, yeah. or you're making a movie or a TV. They're show. all union, so you got to pay them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the tigers are union. Got you know what? You better pay them. They're, they're, they're tigers. They're tigers. They're tigers with a SAG card. You had better yeah. pay them. Um, but uh, Bill Parker, you found uh, a, a wonderfully named business specific for elephants. Have trunk will travel. Yeah, I I had begun to wonder when we started hearing about this story that it, you know where you would rent an elephant and if you uh, start typing in renting elephants it autofills to for wedding right so <laughs> that is uh, what what other choices were there I, I don't know I didn't yeah, I can't read that far down the autofill list I get distracted easily uh, so have trunk will travel is the first thing that comes up and I don't know if that's because they're the the class in the business. Uh, I hope somebody out there will, will let us know if they've rented an elephant from them and had a good experience uh, or a poor experience or, or if they just uh, bought the space. And here's what we want from our audience. Email us, com if you've ever rented an animal. A large animal. A large animal. A large animal. Yeah, yeah. The largest animal that's ever been rented for this office, I believe, is the bobcat. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that I was here. Walk me oh. through that. I don't think I was because we've had. We've had. Uh, that was maybe before your return. We've had petting zoo day yeah. here. No, we had dangerous animal petting zoo. D- okay. Dangerous animal petting zoo. And a was, bobcat was here. Yeah, a bobcat that hated men on a leash. Yes. Do you, no. Mm. I, no. Mm. <laughs> Just roaming. 
not uh, roaming. No, not roaming. Yeah. There was a trainer. Yeah. It was it was uh, borderline safe as long as the men left the room. I think. Yeah. Wow. Bobcat hated women. I would have well, no hated men. It was. It was so. I think the men. Hated I think. Men. I think yeah. the men were were advised to if they were sitting in the front row, like move to the back because the bobcat doesn't. I like would have had no problem complying with right. that. Yeah, I don't I, think there were any <laughs> any bodies who were like. No, I, no, I want to see for myself. <laughs> uh, I'll just close on this. If you go to the Hollywood Animals website, here are the categories uh, on the pull down menu: big cats, bears. Wolves, primates, dogs, cats, uh, hoofstock slash barnyard. Are there ligers? I don't think there are ligers. Although there is something that's other exotics. uh, Birds. And then the last one on the list, critters. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, it's like, I need some possum. That's Ellie Mae. She brings them in when you're ordering critters. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Nice ball. Bill Mann, Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. You can go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from Bill Mann, Bill Barker, Brian Hinman, the entire Fool Funds team. So check it out. Go to foolfunds.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So no buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Keep your foot hard on the pedal, son, never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out, cause we got a run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texarkana. And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go, and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch your bandit run. can't be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just watch old bandit run. Old Smokey's got them ears on. He's hot on your trail. And he ain't gonna rest till you're in jail. So you got to dodge him. You've got to duck him. You gotta keep that diesel trucking. Just put that hammer down and give it hell. Eastbound and down. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch your bandit run.